Ronananian. What is the obligation of the insurance company? If it's returned the vehicle to pre-accident condition, and clearly it's not, the frame doesn't measure correct angles, correct position, and so on, I, I, I think the vehicle is unsafe to drive. The Car Doctor. Let me tell you something. Take the responsibility. Bear the brunt of what you do. A repair shop, a real repair shop, has to have liability insurance, but both against, you know, you you don't put the wheel on properly, the wheel falls off, there's an accident, God forbid, you are liable for that. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and the car doctor here at the helm at 855-560-9900. Thank you for having me today. Cardoctorshow.com is the place to be. Ron and the car doctor out on Facebook. And by all means, don't forget to click on uh, Spreaker there or podcast and pick us up via Spreaker and make sure you subscribe and click favorite. And maybe you're doing it by the live stream by the computer underneath my feet here. And uh, as Tom Ray continues to wow with the technology that he, uh, that he has created. I noticed that... Um, I didn't mention that the last hour, but uh, we're one short. Yes. Um, the Giants' loss really affected Tony that badly, huh? Well, not only that, but the Yankees lost this week, too. Well, but, oh, that's true. Yeah, Tony Tony was a two-time, I hate to say it, two-time loser, but he was a two-time loser this week. Uh, yes, he was, and my Yankees actually won. I'm not my Yankees. My Red Sox actually. You're actually, Red Sox. Yeah, that's and that's that's really the funny part. We've got a nationally. We've got we've got a Red Sox and a Yankees fan sitting side by side in the control room. That's most, right. Most and we get time. along, and uh, right. you know, we have beers together, and uh, you know, have a great time. You killed him, didn't you? No, 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 no. He called. He called me yesterday, and uh, I don't know. I think he's got the sports flu. Yeah, he's under the weather. So well, we uh, we hope Tony feels better. Spring training can't come fast enough. We'll send this out to Tony. Scan tool in spirit. We hope that uh, Tony feels better. So um, yeah, it's um, it's not the same without him. Although you're doing a great job. Well, thank you, thank so, you. I'm and hoping, uh, if more people would call, we yeah. could have all these calls and watch Tom. I can watch Tom grow four extra arms as he's doing everything today. Yeah, especially since I'm uh, I'm high on antihistamines today because of the poison ivy I got. So mm, this is on. great. I'm just sitting here <laughs> floating around. Stay on that side of the glass. You bet. So no, not for me. Let's uh, let's kick the doors open. Let's. Oh jeez. You know, the only guy who's got his own theme music that it just it, it boggles my mind the popularity of this this one individual. Walter from Maui. Walter, how are you today, brother? Hey Ron, aloha. Yes. Sir. Um by the way, uh, I love the song and uh this is your satellite station in in the Pacific. Yeah, I understand that. Oh yeah, I listen. I'm going to get out there, Walter. I'm not kidding. I'm uh you know, we're trying to we're, we're we're talking about that Hawaii trip that uh, we'll yeah. see. We'll, well see. don't forget, I have late check-in and airport pickups. So well, that's that's what I'm counting on, brother. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, there's a couple I'm making my list. I I I have to get there in my lifetime. I have to see Pearl Harbor. Um, I really I really want to experience that. So um, well, it just reopened the Arizona. So come on over. It had been closed for a while for renovation. Yeah. Um, you know, it's and still, that is very solemn to go yeah. to, believe me. Does the drop of oil still come up out of the Arizona every day? Y- yes, it does. Yeah, 
that's just mind-boggling. There's there's oil on the Arizona from when it was sunk in '41, and it's it's still yeah. it's still you know oozing you know, like, oil. It's a very solemn experience to yeah. go out there, even if even if you didn't know the history, and if you do know anything of the history, then it is very solemn. Yeah, it's uh, so. But um, anyhow, not going to help okay, you. You want to talk some more about the Germans? We were talking about the Japanese. Well, yeah. Now we're going to talk about the Germans. The Germans have invaded us. Um, yeah. In the way of Volkswagen. So one of my least favorite cars is a Volkswagen to work on. Why is that, Walter? Uh, they seem to. Well, two things. Why would they use lug bolts instead of? Uh, I mean, use bolts for the wheels instead of lug nuts. Makes no sense because you can't put the wheel on. Right. And secondly, did you ever see those stupid clamps they use for the vacuum hoses and stuff? <laughs> the one-time use clamps. You have to have a special tool for. It? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. That's yeah. Just to start, I, I know yeah. we only have a limited amount of time. I won't give right. you the whole list. Yeah. It's 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 like they just think different, and and yet we continue to buy these things and and yeah. and pay premiums for them. I don't know. Right. I, I've never worked on a Mercedes, but I got a feeling it probably has a lot of the same you know secrecies as yeah, the um, You know, it's that's the problem. This is the problem with the world. Walter, that's why I say if you can work on cars and repair them, then you can really understand that you know we're the, the faults of the people, the cars they're buying, and we're allowing them to vote, reproduce, and drive. So it's just no wonder the world's yeah, in the shape it's in. What kind of problem we got that's with this very VW? Scary. Uh, yeah, it really okay, I'll is. Be, I'll, oh. I'll try to be brief here. Go ahead. Uh, like you say, it's a 2005 new Beetle 1.8 liter turbo. It's having a starting problem. It'll leave the, the people's house at 1.6 volts, battery fully charged. And this is stuff I checked, by the way. Then it wouldn't start when they ran some errands in town, went down there. The, the voltage was 11 volts on the battery. I recharged it, got 12.6 at 95%. Uh, and I put my voltmeter on it and watch it run. The volt goes down to 11.3, then slowly starts to climb back up to about 12.9 or 13.0. Never goes any higher. Okay. The battery and the alternator both checked out good on Napa's tester. O'Reilly's is too far away from me, but That's Napa okay. tested for me. The tester shows 14.4 volts from the alternator. Okay. And... That's where I am now. It does not seem to me that twelve point nine to thirteen is enough to keep that battery it's, recharged. It's not. So where do you think? Where do you think the problem is? Where would you look? I'm gonna. I'm gonna well, make it I harder on you, since you're my senior well, technician out there. I'm gonna make this harder <laughs> on you now. Okay. Well, first thing I did was check. I did a voltage drop test on the wires. Everything okay. seemed to be good. Okay. Uh, then, of course, I took the alternator out and took it in and had it checked, and uh, then put it back in. I, the battery is 100%. It's only three months old. That doesn't mean anything, but it, it, I load tested it and everything. It tests good. Uh, I don't. I, I don't suspect the phantom draw because it does it when it's running, not you know, not when it sits overnight. If, if it goes to bed at 12 volts, it gets up at 12 volts. Right. Right. So I, <clears throat> I uh, am somewhat at a loss at this point. Okay. Uh, other than not believing that the Napa tester could would see a voltage drop in the uh, alternator itself alternators are not uncommon on these but the biggest failure for these for an intermittent or a low charging output is there's a plastic fuse box on top of the battery have you looked yes, at, and have, i have checked that and i you, checked all those wires and it's it's not melted there's no damage there no um, the no, I looked at them as closely as I could at the box. Of course, you can't see the one that goes down underneath the engine. Right. Well, well why would but, we make uh, this easy? Um, the main battery cable from the alternator, all right, the, okay. the main one that goes to the battery positive, 
Did your voltage right. drop that? Yes, I did. Okay, and would you have less than a tenth of a volt all the way? Yeah, way, okay. way less. Okay. I, I'm a millivolt. All right, so then, then that's fine. So then we've got to start to talk about, we've, we've got to take a look at the rest of the system because I think, I think the issue is in the vehicle. Um, not the alternator. Okay. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think this is more along the lines that the alternator is okay, but the the the, the harness isn't providing proper signal. All right. If you know, if we want to believe Napa and or just whoever's tester it was, you know, it's 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 charging. So you know, the one other thing I would like you to do is take out your scan tool. I'm I'm just okay. I'm going to assume you did, but I want to mention it. Did you take out your scan tool, look for any fault codes, and look to see what the scanner's showing as far as a charge rate, and see if there's? I don't know if in 2005 they were smart enough to show fielding ability, but what is the what is the scan tool if it has that information? Does it show full field or fielding, or it's got the alternator turned on that it's trying to charge it? Does it recognize yeah, the battery is sure low on charge? The scanner covers that, but I'll take a close look. I yeah. scan it. There's nothing. No no codes relative to the uh, anything does There's your no scanner does your scanner do i'm trying to remember what 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 you won that day does it do is it yeah. just obd or is it vehicle specific yours is vehicle specific isn't it it's vehicle specific yeah so if it's there just 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 to take a look and just see all I'm right looking for the field uh correct you're looking to see field if it if it turns on all right. Yeah. Um, then you know, there's a bunch of different test procedures. You're going to have to go through and find the one specific to your car. On there are some ways to test for field application. How the computer generates and applies field to turn that alternator on to charge the system. But right now, I'm going to tell you, you've got a low charging condition. Um, obviously, I'm going to tell you also to look at grounds. Make sure you know ground for the battery is good and clean and tight. And if there should be an auxiliary ground, I can't remember where it is in 05, but there should be an auxiliary ground from engine to uh, engine to chassis. Make sure that's in place. In other words, you got to go through powers and grounds. You got to go through powers, grounds, and 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 fielding of the alternator to make sure that its charging output is 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 going to come up. But yeah, 12.9 isn't enough. That's struggling. That's yeah. that's low output. Um, so you've got to you've just got to start to go through wires. It's a wire by wire process. I was looking for a solution that said just turn bolt nah. three to number two. Well, I can tell you, I can, <laughs> I can tell you, the easiest solution is you, you, you jack up the radiator cap, drive a new car underneath. But you know, the Volkswagen owner seems to love it, so they, yeah. they just they do love these cars. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't ever have to change the, uh, the tire on it. Yeah, no, it's well, there, there <laughs> actually is the, a, the old one back on. <laughs> Walter, there actually is a special tool. There's a, there's a set of threaded rods that when you take the lug nuts out you put them in and then the wheel slides off these 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 shanked studs that just yeah and it, you could hang a right right you can just hang the tire from that right that's right and it, well, it does nice because i was going to buy a long bolt and just cut the head off right of it. i mean they do make such a thing but i just it's silly to me i don't know why we're doing that it's got to be a production thing i've never understood it myself but yeah uh, they you must know. have uh that and those crimp uh, wire connect or uh, hose connectors, I'll never understand them. Well, that's yeah, and you got to remember, car companies are, are have for the longest time. They're making things very, very specific. Yeah. Um, usually, it comes down to it's quick assembly on the line. They don't think about repair. 
Right. And, 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 that's... And, and, and whoever made those clamps had to be related to Mr. Hitler or Volkswagen or whoever made them. Well, Porsche, Mr. E- Porsche. Either, either that or they just had a, a brother-in-law in the tool company that they were looking to make special exactly. pliers. That yeah. could be the only explanation. Right. That okay, so do you don't have any easy solution for me, I'll start tracing down. No, it's got to start running down wires, Walter. Nothing easy. If that fuse box on top of the battery is intact, and I'm surprised to hear that it is because usually it's melted. Uh, if, if mm-hmm. that if that fuse box is intact, then we've got to start going wire by wire. All yeah, right, sir. Is. I took each one out, cleaned it, put it back on, looked at it real closely. So. Yeah, no, you would see it. It's it's obvious when yeah. they melt. All right. Yeah. Okay, Ron. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You're very welcome, Walt. Take good care. Okay. I'm Ron Annie in the car doctor. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I think you cut him off in the middle of his aloha, but that's okay. It's Walter. We love him. We'll see you soon. All right. Take good care. I'm Ron and Annie, and I'll be right back. Whether it's a little red Corvette or a Yugo, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Well, I can see that Tom Ray is stacking the deck on me here today because it's not like at least if one was going to happen, we might as well get all three out of the way and get this over with. This is a trifecta I had a bet on today. I'm going to be collecting money after the show, okay? What, that I haven't killed myself? Um, Let's go over and talk to Bob in Phillipsburg, 65 Volkswagen and a 93 Rabbit. Oh, boy. Hey, Robert, how are you, sir? Hey, Ron. Uh, I'm having a ball with the Volkswagen Beetle. I'm just getting in the car to go down to Wawa to get a cup of coffee, and I just take it out and go for rides, going down the road, see where this road goes and that road goes. And, and hanging out and having fun. Ride and yeah, I get it. Something that everybody needs to do. Yep. So the road, the, 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 the road trip to nowhere, the road trip to Chuchistan. I'll have to talk about yeah, that again. Yeah, two hours later, you come home. Right. And yeah, you don't know where you went. Yeah. Uh, I'm keeping it six volt, and my question is, it has a 30 amp generator on it. Okay. And when I turn all the accessories on, including the, uh, you know, the wipers, the high beams, and all that, without it running, it's running right around 24 amps. It's total draw, and of course the charging system works fine and everything, but I want to upgrade the headlights. Uh, go to an H4 bulb, which will give me more. Uh, you know, give me a better light at nighttime. And with calculations, I'm really pushing up close to 28 amps. And then on top of it, I'd like to put on a nice set of Bosch fog lights on it, and it'll push me over the edge of 32 amps. Right. Now, will this, uh, if I run it up to 32 amps type thing, in due time, would I end up with a dead battery? Well, I don't know about a dead battery, but in time, I think you're going to overheat the generator and cause it to work too hard. You know, typically, if you were going through a generator test on a 6-volt Volkswagen generator, and don't ask me why I know this, it's just things I remember from childhood, but, you know, you would see, when we would go through the test of, of disconnecting the harness and then, and then you know, playing doing the jumper test from the DF and the D+, and... We, we would see typically we would see um, uh, uh, you know we would we would we would see 35 volts um, uh, you know they would they would really put out um, you're approaching maximum amperage I mean where's it going to start and stop in terms of before it overheats the unit uh, you know um, all of this is great stuff Bob but you know you're you're redesigning it 
without redesigning it, if you follow what I'm saying. You want to put in higher, yeah. you want to put in a higher draw, higher intensity light, you want to put in fog lights, but you want to stick with that original generator that the factory designed. If the factory wanted it to do headlights and fog lights, do you think they'd stay with that original generator? No. So, right. you know, you're, you're, you're oh, kind of asking, yeah, you're sort of asking for the impossible. You're, you're, you're taking a yeah, gamble. Yeah, well, that's just what I wanted, I needed your opinion about because it's uh, partially mine because I run into situations where other people want to do the same thing, and I kind of say, yeah, I don't think so, but, right. but if it was designed for it and you just reach your limits and that's it. Right, You've, you, and you're uh, kind of... A lot of people will do, do this with these big uh, amplifiers in their cars and this and that, and I guess they run in the same situation, don't they? Yeah, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're exceeding the electrical and mechanical specification of the vehicle. You're, you're, you're exceeding right. what it's capable of doing on a safe, consistent yeah. basis. Could you get it to do it once, twice, three times, two months out of the? Yeah, sure. But you know, you're looking for year-round reliability, and that's what I think everybody's looking for. At least, you know, if we're sure. going to have common sense about us, and I. Yeah. I, w I would question doing that. I really would. Okay. Uh, the other question on the other 93 Volkswagen Rabbit convertible, uh, the power windows, uh, the passenger side cease working. We diagnosed it to be a power window control module, which is no longer available. I can get used ones, but these modules are located in such a way if you get a water leak, you get they get wet. Yep, I remember that. Uh, and is there any uh, anyone out there that rebuilds this stuff? I don't know if they rebuild Volkswagen stuff per se, but there was a company, they were actually an advertiser a couple of years ago. They're probably worth looking up, Module Masters. M O D U L E okay. module. Ma I think it's modulemasters.com. If I had to make, a, if I had to take a guess at it, it's been a while. Uh -huh. But you know whether they can do older things like that, I don't know. I would say that if they can't do it, there's got to be someone that's you know dealing with older, older components such as that. It's it's a question of you know finding them, and then I'm going to tell you that if you can't, then you know start stockpiling that part, get one or two of them, and even though it's in a bad spot bad spot that's the that's the that's the fun of the hobby right bob you get the, you well get the, this is my spare that's the thing that gets me <laughs> right. i had you know I, this was my spare uh the first one went uh, uh bad because yes i had a major water leak and i've had the windshield replaced and the right. water leak is gone right and right. that got saturated and this one here i knew i'd gotten saturated before i put it in but it worked for out a year. Right, so I think you've kind of reached the limit on that, too. You're going to have to get another spare, and, you know, think Arizona cars, at least they're drier out there. Bob, I enjoyed the conversation. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. We're back right after this. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Car Doctor, let's cruise over and talk to Steve in Northwest Missouri, 01 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Steve, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? 
Hey, man. It's great to, great to talk to you. Thank you. Glad to be here. What's cooking? Well, this 2001 Jeep, try to keep a long story short here. Okay. And actually, this is a small community, so my mechanic friend might be listening in. All right. But anyway, uh, started out with a steering gear problem. And so we've replaced the steering gear twice now. And uh, we're using Reman products, of course. Right. It's about all you can get. Right. And we've put on two steering pumps and two uh, hoses. Right. To get in case, it's, you know, something collapses in there. Uh, we got that taken care of. But it seems like after we put the last steering gear on, the problem's getting worse. And what it was doing to begin with was didn't want to turn to the right. So that's why we started out replacing the steering gear. Right. Turned to the left okay, wasn't to the right. But what we ran into was was something that neither one of us had really dealt anything with, and that was um, this all goes through the the fan motor, which is hydraulic. Right. Yeah, and in, in, in 01, it was a hydraulic fan assembly. Right. Right. Okay. And uh, all right, let me ask you. Let me let me ask you this, Steve. If I can jump in, when, when the engine's running, all right, does the fan spin? It's running pretty good now. Uh, he un he's got a pretty good tester. We unhooked the te or set the uh, switch on that tester, and the fan will just you know like it's something's unhooked, and the fan will just take right off. Right, but when the engine is running. Okay, the fan should be spinning between 100 and 500 RPM, even when the PCM's not saying, "Hey, run the fan." It'll just right. sit there and sort of it's it just kind of lumps along, kind of lazily. If it's doing that, and as long as it comes on when it gets hot, the PCM tells the control solenoid, "Hey, it applies ground," and it the fan it opens up and the fan should run at its fastest speed, then. The fans, the fans, fine. It's it's really got nothing to do with the problem or the or the system at that point. Uh, you, you know, it's it's and if it's doing that, is it doing that? Yeah, we we tested that and uh, got the temperature up, ran it about two thousand RPMs till the temperature went up and it kicked in. And then we let everything back off and let it idle. Right. And it runs, it'll run at idle about one hundred and fifty RPMs. We're guessing. Right. So then we get down to. Let, let's talk about what I don't think it is. All right. Okay. You know, we're going to go by. We're going to we're going to look at what it's not, so we know what it is. I don't think it's the pump. Pumps don't know direction. All right. As long right. as as long as the fluid is good, as long as the fluid is clean, and it's you know, it's got it works fine in the one direction. A pump doesn't know if you're turning left or right. Right. All right. Pressure is pressure, and I get it. You probably don't have a pressure gauge set, and that's okay. Uh, you know what? I have a pressure gauge. I don't even know where it is in the shop. I've got so many other tools. It's you know I, I, I probably haven't used it, and I, I can't think of how long because you know most of this stuff is just common sense. <sighs> well, I just ordered one. It's supposed to be here Monday. Right. Well, then you're going to be you're you're going to be the tester. You let me know how it works. But um, what brand did you buy, by the way? Just out of curiosity. Well, I got it off of Amazon, and uh, I didn't want to get a lot of dollars into it. Right. It's like like a hundred bucks, and it's. The company's name is Lang. Yeah, it'll work, you know. So pump the only thing we don't know if it's got the right fittings in it. Yeah, and that's <laughs> it, that you never know, and that's part of the that's the thrill of auto repair, my friend. So, um, so you know, it's it's. I doubt that it's a pump. It wouldn't make sense that it's a pump if the problem is only cold, only in one direction. 
Pumps don't know direction. They know temperature by, by means of the viscosity of the fluid, how thick the fluid is, but they just don't know direction. Right. Could it be an intermediate shaft, the coupling between the bottom of the column and the top of the gear? Well, you know, not one direction. I've had, I've, I've, in all the steering shafts I've seen fail in my lifetime and career, I've never seen one to no direction. And it's usually, it's tight as tight. It doesn't care whether it's hot or cold. It doesn't care what direction you're going through. Uh, you know, if that U-joint is seized, seized is seized. Stuck is stuck. Right. I, I guess, I guess, you know, knowing how U-joints sit, right, you know, you could see one getting stuck going one direction and not the other. Would it pay for you to take a look at the intermediate joint? I'm sure your mechanic or you, between the two of you, I'm sure when you had that intermediate shaft disconnected from the gear, I'm sure somebody reached up there and, you know, felt the joint. Did it spin in both directions? Does it have good loose feel to it? Is it fluid? If not, it's something to look at, just just to take it off right. the chart. The only thing well, really... The right only after thing, we... You go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Right, right after we uh, put the first gear on, it se seemed to get better. But you had to, you'd kick it up to about uh, after we, you know, forced the air out of it by working it back and forth 20 times without any pressure on it. It seemed to get better, and all you had to do was kick it up to about 200 RPMs, and it would just take off and turn. But then when you put the wheels on the ground, it wouldn't do it. Right, because you've got to add in the weight of the vehicle. Testing it, testing it without weight on the system right. doesn't really tell you anything. All right. So then we put another gear on. Right. And flushed everything. And we've probably put a gallon and a half of fluid through this thing, just flushing it out just to make sure. Right. And so basically this time, after we got it out and put it on the ground, really hard. Couldn't steer it at all either way. I just thought maybe there was something that you might know about the makings or the workings of that fan motor because it's got, you know, like two valves in it, and one of them controls the fan fluid going through, and the other one controls the steering assist. Anyway, according that's to the diagrams we've printed off that we were able to get, because you can't really find a real schematic on it. But uh, Can you send me the VIN of this vehicle? Can you email me the VIN, the 17-digit VIN? I can do that. Um, Ron at CarDoctorShow.com. I swore I wasn't going to do this again, but I got to do it. I got. <laughs> I got. I got. I got to see this wiring diagram. I don't remember. Right. I mean, we're going back 18 years. I just don't remember the steering having an effect going through the hydraulic line. But yet, throughout all of this, the the fan motor still has operated consistently in the same. Correct. Uh, yes. So it's it's still kind of lazy, and then when it turns on from heat, it, it it blows and it stays it stays cool and it works properly. Right. Right. Um, now, after you put this last gear on and bled the air, do you have power steering now? No. You you don't have power steering in either direction. No. But with the old gear, you had it in one direction, not the other. Right. I have to yeah, think. With the with the original, I could steer it. Steer it one way, and it it wouldn't lock up all the time. It's just when it just every now and then. But I, I did check for recalls on those steering gears, and when this vehicle was made, which I can't find a build date on it because somebody got rid of my label either off the door or somewhere. Right. We can't find one with a build date. There was 636 of these units or these vehicles they recalled, 
and the recall was for they had nuts that was coming loose in the steering gear and it just lock up on you going down the road. I would think by now that's been done. But the, the easiest way would be if you take your VIN, go out to nhtsa.gov, right, and plug it in there. If this vehicle has an open recall, that will tell you. Right. You know, not you go out to NHTSA. Now, yeah, I thought after this long, it probably wouldn't make any difference. So. No, no, no. A recall is always a recall. Yeah. They'll they they've gotten very fussy on recalls in the last in the last five or six years. That once a recall is on a vehicle, that recall is there until it's either resolved or the vehicle is scrapped. It's 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 one or the other. Uh, a recall, from what I'm told, stays with the vehicle for the life of the vehicle. Period. Right. So well, it was only certain build dates, and we don't know the build date. Right, and I. <laughs> You know, the fact that the vehicle worked fine all this time and now right. the problem happened. Right. Uh, you know, not to mention, who, who's the rebuilder? Is it is it an aftermarket rebuilt? Cardone. Yeah, uh, I knew you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> I just knew it, brother. Uh, you know, A1 Cardone, they've got their issues. And I don't, I don't want to pick on the company and say, oh, it's got to be the rack. But, boy, I'll well, tell you what, it, it makes me suspect. It really we, does. We found one video on YouTube. The guy replaced three of them, and he went to the junkyard and got one, and it worked. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would be suspect. The fact that the last rack worked different than this rack, the only thing you changed was the rack. Do the math. Right. right. Uh, you know, and that's you know, and that's unfortunately this is the spin the wheel portion of the show. Where you know, spin the wheel, take your best guess, and 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 figure out you know which way and how you're going to deal with it. So. Well, the 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 Chrysler mechanic at one shop we talked to, because my son's also in the auto parts business and he manages a CarQuest store, and the mechanic said trade it off. <laughs> well, I don't know if I trade it off, but I would definitely you know look at it with your pressure gauge, and um, I would think real careful about. I would think real careful about uh, you know. Do your pressure test. If that pump's got good pressure, I think it's time to put a rack in it. But send me the VIN, Ron, at cardoctorshow.com. I want to look at that wiring diagram and see how the power steering is affecting the fan, and then we can talk a little bit more about it. All right, Steve, you take good care and have a good rest of the afternoon, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. I'm Ron Anning, the Car Doctor, coming back right after this. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Let's talk a little bit about the um, Hyundai. No, I guess I can't do that. Looks like, Tom, what's the matter? Well, I yeah, I was just thinking, I forgot to ask you before. I had a issue this week when I was out of town, and it wasn't that cold. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Next up on the Car Doctor, Tom from Newburgh, New York, with a question about his Ford Escape. Go ahead. Newburgh. A humbug. No. Um, <laughs> Whatever. Upstate. No. Uh, yeah, no, no the, um, it kind of turned over a little uh, a little slowly, so I think it may be getting time for a battery. I have to bring it in for brakes anyway. So. Um, yeah, well, we could do that. You know, well, let's see. It's a 2015. It's three going on four years old. And, yeah, it's possible. Listen, I'll tell you what. And I have a lot of stuff plugged in, too. Uh, so. You have a lot of stuff plugged in, and, and yeah, okay, it gets possible. And I'll tell you what. Um, I'll tell you a real quick battery story. We'll tell the Kia story later or tomorrow or something. Um, I've been thinking about this car for two weeks now. We talked about it. I touched it briefly. I touched on it briefly last week. The 2010 Lincoln MKZ. I had a 2010 Lincoln MKZ, older customer, that two weeks ago I got a phone call. The car wouldn't shift out of gear when he started it, 
and the dashboard display didn't work, and the radio was shut down. Came out, and AAA jump-started, because eventually it got to the point where the car wouldn't start. It, it was dead. And AAA came out, jump-started it, and they overrode the shifter and brought it in. I looked at the car a couple of times over the next three days. I couldn't duplicate the problem. I could duplicate the problem. It was very quick how it happened. And I kept load-testing the battery. Something just bothered me about this two-year-old battery that, you know, there's a reason here. There's something I just got to be certain. I couldn't find anything wrong with the car. I'm telling you this story for a reason. On a gut call, sometimes it takes guts to fix cars, I put a battery in it. Fix the car. The interesting thing is, when the car went into this shutdown mode of all the electronics, I couldn't communicate with all the modules on the bus. I'd plug in a scan tool, and some of the modules worked, and some of the modules didn't. And you would think there's a communication fault, that the network is down, that something's pulling it down, preventing that car from starting, or preventing that car from shifting out of park, or the radio from working, and so on. My point is, I think batteries are becoming more and more inherently the, the soul of the car. They really are. And I don't think you can put enough battery, per se, in the car. And I think it's going to make the case for AGM batteries, which is where I'm going with this, that much easier to sell to people. I think everything in the future will be an AGM battery because of their stability, because they're obviously better constructed. They take discharge, you know, they go through deep discharge better, and they charge up quicker. Uh, you know, I think that AGM batteries, you're going to start to see more and more cars come out with AGM batteries. And, uh, you know, like Tom says, here's his three-year-old 15 Escape that's starting to give him some problems. And I think you're going to see batteries last longer as a result. And, um, you know, it's just it's just part of the technology. AGM batteries um, really seem to be the, um, I think they're going to be the answer. But I put a battery in that Lincoln, and it fixed it. And I haven't forgotten about that car. I'm still thinking about why did that fix it, and I haven't come to a conclusion yet. By the way, you can get out to a great website. I use it all the time, autobatteries.com, uh, from the folks at Johnson Controls. They're the ones uh, manufacturing AGM batteries. Autobatteries.com, you will... Uh, Read information there. It'll blow your mind. So, Tom, that'll be your homework for next week. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy in the car doctor coming back right after this. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hey, I'm Ron and Andy the car doctor. I want to finish out the hour. I know I promised to do this last hour. There's a uh, there's something in the Washington Post today. Safety group wants Hyundai and Kia to recall 2.9, almost 3 million vehicles. Detroit, a nonprofit auto safety group, is demanding that Hyundai and Kia recall 2.9 million cars and SUVs in the U.S. due to consumer complaints that they catch fire. I could understand that if the car's catching fire, like, oops. Wait, here comes the Mykia. What's a Mykia? Oh, no. Mykia! <laughs> I forgot who was on the other side of the glass today. The Center for Auto Safety said Friday that there have been more than 220 complaints to the U.S. government since 2010 about fires and another 200 complaints about melted wires as well as smoke and burning odors. I wonder if they're complaining because we're polluting the environment from all the smoke. Um, you know, a lot of beans and weenies on the side of the road. The complaints involved 2011 through 14 Kia Sorento and Optima and Hyundai Sonata and Santa Fe, also included as the uh, 2010 through 15 Kia Soul. The fires are being investigated by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration as part of a 2017 probe into Hyundai and Kia engine failures. The volume of fires here make it appear that Hyundai and Kia 
are content to sit back and allow consumers and insurers to bear the brunt of poorly designed manufactured and repaired vehicles. Jason Levine, the center's executive director, said, ooh, that's not good. That doesn't bode well for Hyundai and Kia because they don't like it when they sit back and ignore potential recall items. We'll have to stay on top of this and follow up in the future because I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. 